Thank you for listening to Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible, a new, much funnier translation of the entire Hebrew Bible written by me, David Tuckman. I'm coming to you from my living room, slickly edited over some room tone to make it sound like I'm whispering to you before the show. If this is your first time listening, don't worry, plot doesn't really matter too much at this point in the Bible, but if you want, you can check back using SoundCloud uh, at soundcloud.com slash omgwtfbible, or, you know, the uh, podcast app that you're using right now, iTunes. Uh, you know how to do that. You're a human in 2015. Anyway, every month on the show, a guest joins me at a live venue somewhere on Earth to read a portion of the Hebrew Bible while I make fun of it. Then, podcasts happen. You're listening to episode 31.2, the second half of our live Kitita show. Kitisa is what Jews call the ninth portion in the book of Exodus. My reader this time around is Shulam Dean, author of the memoir All Who Go Do Not Return, and you'll be joining us live from Beauty Bar as Moses begs God to forgive the Jews, or Yehovah as I call him in this thing, for the whole golden calf thing. If you want to join us for a live recording, the next live show will be at the Stanton Street Shul at 180 Stanton Street on the Lower East Side of New York, and will feature Loser Tversky, star of the new movie Felix and Meira, about a Hasidic woman who falls for a man outside her faith. The show will be on June 1st at 7.30 p.m. and will come with a $10 recommended donation uh, so that you can drink. This is a late-breaking guest, so I didn't know about it when we recorded the show. That's why I give the wrong date and don't know what's going to happen uh, in what you're about to hear. Anyway, check out our Facebook, Twitter, or www.omgwtfbible.com for more details. Also, if you're around the weekend after this podcast comes out, on the night of May 23rd, starting at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a crazy event at the 14th Street Y in downtown Manhattan, very close to Beauty Bar, actually, uh, for the Jewish holiday of Shavuot. On the first night of Shavuot, that's Saturday night, Jews have a custom of staying up all night learning Torah. I'm going to be giving a talk at 12.45 in the morning, Sunday morning, as part of that event that I call Trippin' Balls with God. And it's going to be about the possibly hallucinogenic origins of Judaism. Uh, I'm going to be reading some selections from Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible from all over the place, Genesis and Exodus. And I'm going to be sharing uh, some things that I've learned on the side that might give some context and shed some light. And uh, it's going to be pretty fun. Come out to that if you want. Anyway, the recap. Previously in the Bible. The sons of Israel rose out of Egypt in battle array. Moshe summoned the elders of the nation and put the words Jehovah had commanded before them. If someone hits a guy and the guy dies, the first guy dies for sure. Anyone who fucks an animal gotta die right away. <laughs> all the tools of the sanctuary, all its service, its pegs, and the pegs of the courtyard will be copper. Take some of the blood on the altar oh. and from the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aharon, his clothing, and his sons and their clothing. The whole nation ripped their earrings off and brought them to Aharon. He took the stuff, put it in a mold, and made them into a molten calf. He threw the tablets and broke them under the mountain. For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible was meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! in which Moshe kisses the rings. Exodus 32.30 to 32.35. The next day, Moshe spoke to the nation. After having murdered 3,000 of them. You know, got to do another census. Right, to whoever was left. You messed up big time, he said. I'm going up to Jehovah now, and maybe I can atone for what you did. Moshe went back to Jehovah. Please, he said. The nation has sinned real bad. They made themselves a golden Elohim. Could you please let it go? 
If you don't, you'd better take me out of that book you're writing. <laughs> How does he know he was writing a book? You sense this. He hasn't things. showed the draft to anyone. Yeah. I will erase anyone who sins against me from my book, Jehovah said to Moshe. So I guess it's not this one. Go and lead the nation like I told you. Powerball. I'll send a messenger ahead of you. On the day I make an accounting, I'll make the nation account for its sins. Very ominous way to declare tax day. Jehovah sent a plague to the nation for what they did with the calf Aharon made. So he wasn't okay with it. So um, no numbers for how many people died in that plague. Uh, So (laughs) that's terrible. Chapter 90, in which Moshe establishes his office hours. Exodus 33.1 to 33.11. Get out of here, Jehovah said to Moshe. You and the nation. I brought you up from Mitzrayim to take you to the land I swore to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, saying to your seeds I will give it. I'll send a messenger before you to get rid of the Canaani, the Amori, the Chiti, the Prizi, the Chivi, the Yavusi, to a land flowing with milk and honey. I won't rise up within you because you are a stiff-necked people. I might destroy you on the way. What? The nation heard this bad stuff and freaked out. Well, of course. Men didn't put their ornaments on. Uh, No, no idea. They stopped wearing jewelry, maybe. The women? No, the men. They kept it. But the women were not freaked out. No, no, no. no. Tell the sons of Israel, Jehovah said to Moshe, you are a stiff-necked nation. Jeez, God, learn a new insult. Yeah. (laughs) In a moment, I could rise up within you and wipe you out. Sounds a little like kids on the playground. Like, I can rise up in a moment. (laughs) Take your ornaments off. I know what to do with you. Whoa. The sons of Yisrael lost the ornaments they got on Mount Chorev. Okay, so what the hell is that? No context. No right. context. It never actually happened. I don't know what's going on. This, this, uh, the part missing that yeah. was something, left it, Somebody made a mistake. Cut out of an early draft or something. They tried to add an element and then didn't go back and fix yeah. it. Badly edited. Yeah. Moshe took the tent. Which tent? What? And planted it outside the camp far away and called it the Tent of Witnessing. Okay. I mean, this doesn't actually happen yet, but let's just go with it. Anyone who wanted Jehovah went to the tent of witnessing outside the camp. The whole nation got up when Moshe left to the tent. Everyone stood by the opening of the tent watching Moshe until he went in. They made the women stay at home. When he did, the pillar of cloud descended and stood near the opening of the tent and spoke with Moshe. The whole nation saw the pillar of cloud standing by the entrance to the tent. They all got up and neared the tent's opening. Jehovah spoke to Moshe face to face like he was talking to his neighbor. Weird. Uh, since supposedly Moshe never saw Jehovah's face, I guess the specific neighbor we're talking about is Wilson from Home Improvement. <laughs> Moshe would return to the camp. His prince, Yehoshua, son of Nun, a young, na- a young lad, Never left the tent. <laughs> really sucks to be Yoshua. That's chapter 90. This is chapter 91 in which God and Moshe get very close and something actually happens. Exodus 33.12 to 34.17. Look, Moshe said to Jehovah, you tell me to lead the nation, but you don't tell me who you're going to send with me. <laughs> you said, I'll make your name known. You have found favor in my eyes. 
If I found favor in your eyes, show me your ways. Promises, promises, God. Then I'll really know you, and I can find favor in your eyes. These people are your nation. My face will go so you can rest. God's face is exhausting. If your face isn't coming, he said, (laughs) don't take us out of here. I have no idea what he's talking about. No. How will people know you like me, me and your nation? Isn't it by your traveling with us that you've set us apart from every other nation in the land? What is going on? It's total gibberish. Yeah. I'll also do this thing, Jehovah said to Moshe, (laughs) that I talk to you about the other thing. (laughs) Yeah. The first thing, because you found favor in my eyes, and I'll make your name known. No wonder we need the Talmud. Oh, my God. (laughs) Show me your glory, please, Moshe said. (laughs) No comments. No comment, no. (laughs) I'm going to pass all my goodness in front of your face, he said. (laughs) I think that's also known as teabagging. <laughs> While calling out the name Yehovah. God is kinky. I will favor those I favor and be merciful to those I have mercy for. You can't see my face, though, because no one can look at it and live. Yeah, but in the last chapter, it said they were talking face to face, whatever. Yowza, Jehovah said. (laughs) I've got a place for you. You'll stand on the rock. When my honor comes, I'll stick you in a crack in the rock, cover you with my palm until it passes. What the fuck is going on? I'll take my palm off so you can see my butt. (laughs) But you won't see my face. God is just really self-conscious. That's real, by the way. It says Ahorai, which means exactly. Literally. My behind, the back of me. Um, And it never says that God is wearing clothing, so. And even if he is, maybe it's one of those hospital gowns. Yeah. Yeah. This is the part of the Bible where Moses sees God's butt. So we've got God and, and, and what's his name? Alan Dershowitz here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe that's what it is. Right. Nudists are very godly people. Carve two stone tablets like the first ones, Jehovah said to Moshe. I'll write the words that were on the first tablets on those, the ones you broke. Wait to rub it in, God. Come on. Get yourself correct for the morning. In the morning, go up to Mount Sinai, stand with me on the top of the mountain. So I guess he's down now. Okay. They're... Going up. Go up alone. No man should be seen on the whole mountain. Also, no sheep or cattle can be anywhere near the mountain. Well, obviously. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Moshe carved two tablets like the first ones. He got up early, went up the mountain like Jehovah commanded him with the two stone tablets in his hands. Jehovah came down in a cloud and stood with Moshe. He called the name Jehovah. Jehovah passed over Moshe's face. And that's why they call it Passover. Yehovah, he cried out again. Yehovah, merciful and gracious El, slow to anger. Yeah, right. Full of kindness and truth. Uh-huh. Preserver of kindness for thousands. Forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. Cleans and doesn't clean. Cleans and doesn't clean. That could be anyone. 
redeems iniquity of the fathers on their sons and on the sons of sons for three generations and for four. It, he's kind of overdoing it with the flattery, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, Moshe bowed his head he to the ground plague. and prostrated himself. My Lord, if you like me, he said, please travel with us. We are a stiff-necked people. Oh, he's owning it. You have forgiven our iniquity and our mistakes. Also, you divided us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Kapow, Jehovah said. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to set up a covenant. I'll do wonders for this nation that have never been seen in any land or country. That was a quick turnaround. Yeah. They'll see what Jehovah can Slow do. Slow to anger, right? What I am about to do with you is pretty awesome. <laughs> so this was kind of like Babe Ruth calling his homers, but a little less cool. Pay heed to what I command you today. I'm going to chase the Amori, the Kanani, oh. the Chiti, the Prizi, the Chivi, and the Yavusi. How fast can you say this? From your path. You want me to do it again? Yeah. I'm going to chase the Amori, the Kanani, the Chiti, the Prizi, the Chivi, the Yavusi. No, the, the Amori, the Kanani, the Chiti, the Prizi. Okay. Completely lost it. But beware. When you get into the land, don't make a tree with anyone living there. They might trap you. Smash their altars. Break their pillars. Cut down their groves. Their groves? What do the bushes do to anyone? You must not worship any other ale because Jehovah's name is jealous. Jehovah is a jealous ale. And slow to anger. If you make a treaty with the people living there, you might whore after and sacrifice to their Elohims. He'll call you and you'll eat from his sacrifice. He might text you too. You'll take their daughters for your sons. Their daughters will whore after their Elohims and get your sons to join them. Don't make molten Elohims for yourself. Oh, okay, thank you, God. That's chapter 91. Let's hear it for Shulam, by the way. He's doing awesome. And we just got... I want to take a breather because that's the end of the fun stuff. We got like uh, four or five chapters left. Uh, back to God monologuing because once he gets on a roll, you just can't stop him. Chapter 92 in which God reminds Moshe of a holiday he talked about before. Exodus 34, 18. Guard the festival of matzahs. Eat matzah for seven days at the time I commanded you in the month of spring because I took you out of Mitzrayim in the month of spring. Great, that's chapter 92. Chapter 93 in which God gets freaky. Exodus 34, 19 to 34, 20. Everything that opens a womb is mine. Every male from cattle, the first of an ox or sheep, all mine. Redeem the donkey opener with a sheep. But... The donkey opener was a very late career Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> where he does the slow motion karate. If you don't redeem it, break its neck. What? Redeem every firstborn from your sons. Do not come before me empty. So I know the rabbis kind of twist that a lot, but it kind of sounds like human sacrifice is an okay thing. That's chapter 93! Loving these short chapters. Yeah, me too. Chapter 94, in which again with the Shabbos, Exodus 34, 21. So random. Work for six days and rest on the seventh. Take a rest from plowing and harvesting. That's chapter 94. Chapter 95, in which there are some other holidays. Exodus 34, 22 to 34, 26. Make yourselves a festival of weeks. The first of the wheat harvest and the festival of the gathering at the end of the year. Three times a year, all your men should appear before the master, Jehovah Elohim of Yisrael. 
I will chase the nations away from in front of you and expand your borders. No man will desire your land when you go up to appear before Jehovah your Elohim three times a year. This is really tedious. Don't <laughs> slaughter the blood of my offering Thank over <laughs> leavened bread. And don't leave the sacrifice of the Pesach festival until morning. Bring the first fruit of your land to the house of Jehovah God your Elohim. so much fun at a party. Don't cook a kid goat in his mother's milk. Oh, damn it. Wait. Okay, so that's obviously the biblical source for not eating cheeseburgers somehow. Um, but it kind of sounds like it's just for these festivals, these three days. It's a little confusing, disconnected. Uh, that's chapter 95, chapter 96, in which Moshe has some weird stuff going on in the face department. Exodus thirty-four twenty-seven to thirty-four thirty-five. Write these words, Jehovah said to Moshe, because I formed a covenant with you and Yisrael with these words. Okay, so that's a little weird because he's writing the words again on the tablets that he just brought up, but he doesn't write down the like Ten Commandments that we traditionally know of. He writes down these rules that he just read, kind of the random spattering of rules. Don't make a golden Elohim, cut down some groves, don't go after whores, don't eat a kid goat in the mother's milk. It's almost as if, I mean, this is kind of a summary of everything that was in the first very, very long monologue. It's almost as if the second group of tablets at least it seems like it right here, according to this verse, just contains this brief summary of the laws that we've read now. And again, not the Ten Commandments. Moshe spent 40 days and 40 nights with Jehovah. He didn't eat bread or drink water. He wrote on the tablet the words of the covenant, the Ten Things. Again, the Ten Things, right? There's no, it's not explicitly said when the commandments are first given that there are ten of them. Um, it's quite possible, and if you look at it, I can go through it with you after I didn't write it down. But there are kind of ten things that he just said. These could be the ten things that he wrote down. When Moshe went down from the mountain with the two tablets of witnessing in his hands, he didn't know the skin of his face shone when he spoke with Jehovah. So this is crazy. Um, some people say that what happened was Moshe's face got horns on it. Some say he was disfigured somehow. I like that his face was glowing. Um, if he did go up to a volcano and spend 40 days and 40 nights in the heat of a volcano, um, maybe he just had crazy burns all over his face. Aharon and all the sons of Israel saw Moshe, and by Jove, his face skin was shining. This was before moisturizer, so it really blew everyone's minds. They were scared to come near him. Moshe called to them, and Aharon and all the presidents in the assembly returned to him. Moshe spoke with them. After, all the sons of Israel approached, and Moshe commanded them everything Jehovah has said on Mount Sinai. Moshe finished speaking and put on a mask. Because his face was smoking. Oh, Moshe God. would take the mask <laughs> off when he went to talk to Jehovah and kept it on until he went outside again. Then he'd tell the sons of Israel what Jehovah commanded. The sons of Israel would see Moshe's glowing skin, and Moshe would keep the mask on until he spoke with Jehovah again. Very strange. Apparently Moshe is actually wearing a mask the whole rest of the time the Hebrews are in the desert. Not really uh, the typical, excuse me, the typical uh, way that he's portrayed. Uh, very interesting detail. Anyway, that's chapter 96. That's the entire Parsha. Thank you, Shulam, for reading. We're done. We're through. That was a long one, so thank you for making your way through it. Um, 
A lot of things happened in that. There are Very a lot of anticlimactic, the ending. Oh, of course. It always is, because the rabbis had no idea what they were doing in terms of story when they cut this up. But yeah, I mean, the, it would have been a great ending when he finally, when the whole glory thing, whatever the hell that was, happens. And then it just peters off into yeah. Moshe's face yeah. weirdness. Now is this the, needed to be workshopped. Yes, I think so. <laughs> God really could have used an MFA. Um, now is the part of the show called the Devar Torah. Uh, Devar Torah literally means, it's usually a sermon, but it literally means uh, Torah word. So I'd like to ask you, if possible, if you could sum up everything that we've just read into just one word. Oh, God. I did, didn't prepare for this. God's a good one. God's a good one. <laughs> well, God. Uh, I... Bullshit. Um, <laughs> randomness. I, I don't, like, this stuff is just, like, completely out of order. Yeah. Uh, nothing makes sense, or, or at least many parts of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gibberish? <laughs> I, n- no. I don't know. Myth, myth is a good myth one. Myth is a good this, one, too. Yeah, I mean. It's, this is a pretty important story. Yeah. I, I it's, think. It's definitely, the, the calf story is an important one. Um, the rules... The rules feel a little bit out of place here in Exodus. They should have been in Leviticus more. They should. I mean, Exodus has a large chunk of rules just smack in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice if they just had kept everything confined to Leviticus. Yeah, but yeah. it infects I mean, that way we parts. can have like all the boring parts in one place. Yes, I would have loved um, that. Yeah. But. I mean, Genesis is a really exciting... Uh, uh, book and you know you didn't have me on for Genesis. No, I did, but I'm fun. I'm glad I had you on for at least some semblance of a story this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some narrative there. Yes. It had to be teased out, but there was some narrative there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's hard. My word was overreaction, because um, I think God just kind of loses it here, um, and Moshe does too. He murders three thousand people. I mean. The, the story is that, like, they're told 40 days, 40 nights, um, he doesn't come back in time, or they count wrong, and then they lose it, and they go do this. But um, they're never told 40 days and 40 nights. That's a Torah Shabbat thing. That's an oral law thing that's added on uh, to kind of justify what happens here. It really seems like, and again, Mount Sinai is totally, seems like a volcano. There's fire coming down. There's massive thunder and lightning. Um, it seems like what happens is this guy rises up, taking, takes these people out of Egypt, takes them to this mountain, is like, I'm going to go talk to God now, goes up the mountain, and then is just gone for over a month. And they have no idea what to do. And they're terrified in the middle of the desert and scared. Um, and supposedly there's a God following them, but they have no idea how to worship him, so they demand to make an idol, because that's all they understand and all they've ever experienced, so they do, and they start worshiping it, and they have an orgy, because why not? They were slaves forever. And then God goes crazy. It's, it's really sad. It's always seemed to me like a severe overreaction. The other thing, too, is, is maybe what I try to do is I try to read these things against the grain a little bit, because um, you know usually it's like, the traditional reading is the Jews sinned, they were bad, they deserved it, God was right. Um, but I try to read something else into these stories, uh, and perhaps maybe it's about you know certainty in, in our own point of view, our own perspective. Um, because, again, the Hebrews, the sons of Israel, do think that they're right. They think they're doing the right thing. And objectively, at least according to God, they're wrong. Um, everything that they do seems right and seems like they're doing the correct thing. It seems like they're worshiping God in the right way, and they screw up anyway. They completely fuck up. 
Um, so maybe one way we can read this in some way that we can take something away from this, because uh, if we're going to read the Bible, why not? Um, maybe it's just to, to keep that perspective about ourselves, that even when we think we're doing the right thing, it's still sometimes not right. So do you have anything else that you want to say about this? Also, we're going to have a conversation after this if you want to ask me or Shalom any questions, um, or if you have any perspective that you have or a Devar Torah that you want to share with everybody else in the room, we're going to open it up to that. But do you have any other final thoughts? Well, I think it's fascinating that, um, you know, what went through the minds of the people writing this story. Apparently, you know, why, why did ancient people think in this way? What were they trying to accomplish um, this is the thing that puzzles me. Mm-hmm. Like, why, what were they? What did they have invested in a story like this? Why was this the cent- um, part of the central myth right. of this nation becoming this nation? Why was it so important to have a, a monotheistic god or a, a monolatrous god? To be very technical, right. because they they did acknowledge there were other gods, but they weren't allowed to worship them. And so, you know, the, the apparently the children of Israel. Why did they do? the golden calf, because they were afraid. Yeah. They needed a god to lead them, and, you know, the guy Moshe disappeared, and so they need leading. And so they were working out of fear, but, but that was a real sin, according to whoever established that mono, that sort of worshiping just one god is important. That, that's baffling to me. I, I wonder so, about that. Um, I mean, there are some theories about where these stories come from, and one of them is that there are, you know... It is the documentary hypothesis that there are a number of um, documents that were written over a long period of time, and then they were kind of redacted into this one whole thing. And um, some people think that they were written by two groups in ancient Israel that had different ideologies and different ways of worshiping God. So some of these stories, and this seems like a perfect example of one of them, is them kind of calling out the other group and saying, this is the incorrect way of worshiping God. So it's possible that this story is one of those groups in order to establish their hegemony and their um, like uh, legitimacy as the correct priest to Jehovah right. were saying, this happened before and it was wrong when they did it, so you shouldn't be doing it now. Right. Right. That's one way. Yeah, yeah. And I would say I'm not a biblical scholar, but I would say that Neither this stuff am I. <laughs> falls into the into the P uh into the priestly section. I think probably. so, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to uh the Deuteronomist who Deuteronomist, the Jawist, the Elohist. Right. Yeah. Right. That were probably more in the uh the Judean parts of Yes, exactly. Of Israel. Super fun Bible nerd talk. Anyway, yeah. Shalom. <laughs> I think that closes it for uh, tonight. I wish I had a joke to wrap things up, but I don't, so let's just end it. Uh, Shulam, is there anything that you'd like to plug or you'd like everybody to check out? Uh, I think I have some ideas of what they might be. Uh, well, certainly my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called All Who Go Do Not Return. Uh, and I worked... Thank you. I worked really long and hard on it. And, uh, and uh, it's amazing. It's really great. Well, I was you. kind of fastened to it and fascinated by it. I read it so incredibly quickly. So yeah. thank you for writing it. I think it's a really important story. Just in um, showing what goes on in these groups, showing the perspective of somebody who has left, and just showing how um, how cruel people can be. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Great follow-up. Um, yeah, and uh, and I think that's it. 
I think that's it. Um, as always, you can listen to the po- you can find the podcast on Facebook uh, at fb.com slash omg bible, Twitter uh, omg wtf bible. There's a Tumblr. There's a website. Ah, there's a website um, where everything is hopefully written and pronounced correctly. omgwtfbible.com. Please listen on Stitcher, iTunes, any podcast app. Really, if you like the show, please share it and please rate and review it on iTunes. It really, really, really helps. As always, I want to thank uh, Wendy Chin for producing our marketing materials. I, I don't know. If you uh, please give it up for uh, our sound engineer, John Passaro. I always, always want to thank um, Beauty Bar for hosting us. Let's hear it for this place. Um, give it up for Shulam Dean one more time. And let's hear it for you guys uh, for listening and for being here tonight. Give it up for yourselves. The next show um, might be on Memorial Day. It might be on June 1st. You will find out if you are on the mailing list or if you follow on Twitter and Facebook and all those places. If you're here and you want to check it out, please uh, sign up on the mailing list and you will get every single piece of information about, oh my God, what the fuck Bible. The following show is going to be June 22nd right here at 7.30 p.m. at Beauty Bar. It is going to be our grand finale of Exodus. So it's going to be crazy. Um, The reading is not that great, but please come because I will make it fun, I promise. And be sure to listen, because next time in the Bible... Repetition time. (laughs) 